I want to take you to a time in Joshua again. We're talking about the Joshua generation, a generation that was about to go into the promised land, which they did go into the promised land. But I want you to understand that God has a plan, and you are the Joshua generation. It's not an age thing. It's a mindset thing. Remember me saying it. It's not an age thing. It's a mindset thing. And I'm going to show you that in just a moment. I want to take you to Numbers, the 13th chapter. The 25th verse in the, e, in the ESV. And at the end of 40 days, Moses had sent out some men to spy out the land. He wanted to see before they went in who they were going to have to deal with. Any wise leader is going to know what are we going to have to deal with? Even if you're playing football, they send scouts out to watch the team play. Or baseball, they watch the pitchers and how they pitch. So any wise leader, especially a military leader, they're going to go out and spy out the land. They're going to see what kind of strengths they have. What kind of goods they have. What kind of provisions they have. What what's the land have to offer. So Moses sends them out. He sends out the, the spies, ten of them, I believe. And at the end of 40 days, they returned from spying out the land. And they came to Moses and Aaron and to all the congregation of the people of Israel in the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh. They brought back word to them and to all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. They brought back some beautiful stuff. And they told him, we came to the land to which you sent us. And truly, as God said, it flows with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. So God did not lie. God told them the truth. He told them what was there. However, the people, here's the problem. However, the people who dwell in the land are strong, and the cities are fortified and very large. And besides, we saw the descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the uh, uh, Negev. The Hittites, the Jebusites, and the Amorites dwell in the hill country. These are all these groups of people that live in that area. And the Canaanites dwell by the sea and along the Jordan. But Caleb, Caleb, being about 40 years old, Caleb quieted the people. They all got nervous. There's always somebody in the group that will try to help people and try to calm them down. But Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once. Let's leave now and occupy it, for we are well able to overcome it. Then the men who had gone up with him said, we are not able to go up against this people. Now remember these terms. Remember what they're saying. For they are stronger than we are. So they brought to the people of Israel a bad report. Of the land that they had spied out saying. Now not Caleb. Not Joshua. So they brought to the people of Israel a bad report out of the land that they had spied out saying. The land through which we have gone to spy it out is a land that devours its inhabitants. And all the people that we saw in it are of great height. They were giants. The next verse is important. And there we saw Nephilim, the sons of Anak who come from the Nephilim, and we seemed to ourselves. Now watch this. 
King James says it's a little different. It says, we see ourselves as grasshoppers. Here the verse says, we seem to ourselves like grasshoppers, and so we seem to them. Not only do we think we're grasshoppers, they think we're grasshoppers. And the reason they think we're grasshoppers is because we're acting like grasshoppers. We're acting that way. Mark that down in your little red book today. How you act is important. The enemy is watching. Not only the enemy that we have in and around us, but the enemy, the, the devil. Those spirits, they watch, they listen. You need to look at yourself. Will you look at yourself or will you look at what God has said? He said, we look like grasshoppers. So I'll ask again, will you look at yourself or will you look at what God was said? Will you look at your ability or will you look at God's ability? Somebody tell me, what will you look at? You have to look at God's ability. There are giants. Follow me now. Anak was a giant. The Anakims were giants, proven. They were the descendants of giants that were standing in the land. Now, follow this. As I wrote this earlier this morning, I couldn't sleep. Once I woke up about 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning, I couldn't go back to sleep. Wherever there's a promise, wherever there's something good, wherever there's what God calls milk and honey, Good things are coming your way. You've got to mark this down. Wherever there's a promise, there will all be, always be giant inhabitants. Always. It's the process. It's the things that will be brought your way to hinder you, to stop you, to defeat you. So you're going to have to understand that there'll be giant inhabitants. There'll be giant problems. Say giant problems. Giant difficulties and giant circumstances. But just because you have a promise does not alleviate you from those giants. It means you're going to have to face some things. Everybody wonder, I hear the scriptures, Bishop, and God, so good. You keep telling us how God will work it out. But you still have to face some things. How many people know, again, life is filled with choices and you're going to live out those choices? It doesn't matter if it's Alan, it doesn't matter if it's Dr. Carrier, it doesn't matter if it's Gerald, it doesn't matter if it's you, Damon. When you make a choice, you're going to live it out. People want to blame God. They go out and buy way beyond their means, and then they blame God because they're failing. They blame God because they had to go bankrupt. It had nothing to do with God. It had to do with them. So choices are there. And sometimes Our choices are our giants, and we're going to have to defeat them. Giant things. But just like David, just like little David, if David can slay the giant, we can slay the giant. We can do whatever we set our mind to in the spirit. Now let's ask a question. How many of you have got some giants in your life right now? That can come in different forms. It can be addiction. And addiction comes in different forms. Spending is an addiction. Clothes is an addiction. See, we always think it's just drugs. No, there's a lot of addictions. Food is an addiction. 
Some people, perfume is an addiction. They wear so much of it, I know. I can tell. Why are you pointing at Gerald? Gerald doesn't wear perfume. Oh, cologne, okay. So just you have a, have a promise doesn't mean you're not going to have to face some things. Caleb had faith. He saw what you couldn't see. He heard what others have not, obviously did not listen to. He had faith in God that they were able to do it. Faith that they could do it. But Caleb quieted the people, the Bible said, before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and occupy it, for we are well able to overcome it. Now, let's speak to the corporate body here. There are people sitting here that will say we're well able to do certain things. But I'm going to show you how that doesn't really matter that you said it. We've all got to come to that opinion, that conclusion. I'm going to show you. Because God's watching. Now, that doesn't mean he won't bless you individually. But when it's talk about the corporate move, we all have to come to the conclusion that my God is able. Now, watch. So, he said, let us go over once and occupy it, for we're well able to overcome it. He believed that. I can hear Caleb as he, as in my mind's eye. He said, you may see yourself as a grasshopper, but I'm not hopping anywhere. I'm not an insect. I'm a giant slayer. That's what he was saying at 40 years of age. Caleb was not looking at his ability, as we should not look at ours. The arm of flesh will lie to you. I can't look at my ability, but he found strength in God. He found strength in the Word of God. He trusted in the Word of God. You see, Caleb saw the things that the other spy. See, Caleb saw the same thing. Let's mark this. Caleb saw the same things that the other spies saw. But he had a different report. The other spies said, we got a problem. There's a lot of big people over there, and they're warriors. And they, we, I don't think we can take them. Caleb sees it. He sees the provisions. He sees the milk and honey, and he sees how great the land is. And he said, there's some giants there, but we're well able to overcome it. He had faith in what God said they could have. God had already said you could have it. But what did I tell you? Wherever there's a promise from God, there'll be giants, and there'll be walled cities. And there's a, a here comes that, that bad word, there'll be a process. You will have to walk that process. Can I give you a little insight to something the Lord spoke to me this week? And I believe I spoke it to Rihanna. Everybody talking about God let me down, God did this, God did that. And I said, no, 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 no. Life is filled with choices. You said, but I'm a Christian. Okay, so you're a Christian. How many people know a tree is a tree? And the Lord said to me, Life is, like a tree, uh, life is like this tree filled with choices. I said, really, what do you mean? He said, the objective is in the heavenlies. And so as the tree grows, the limbs are reaching toward the heaven. But if you'll watch a tree, you'll have sprouts going this way 
and some this way, some this way. Choices take it in different directions, but they all in the end will reach up. He said, you see, even if you're a Christian, you limit what you can do in God because you're making the wrong choices. That's what the Lord showed me when I spoke to you this week about choices. It's like a tree. Doesn't mean you're out of God's will. It just means you're, you're making it tough on yourself. You're making it tough. So, Caleb belonged. He, he believed, and he saw the same thing the other fellow saw. He believed that his God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, was more than able. Faith has nothing to do, mark this one down, faith has nothing to do with your circumstance. If my circumstance was not so bad, I think faith would work here. No, circumstance has nothing to do with your faith. Only thing it has to do with is your opinion. Your opinion of the circumstance is what, what, what motivates you or what moves you or what hinders you is your, your opinion of the circumstance. How many of y'all have done that before? You, you start out well, but then there's a circumstance and you, start, you talk yourself out of it. I've talked myself out of a lot of things. But when it comes to God, I still have to believe that God is. That what he said he will bring to pass. So mark that down. God, faith has nothing to do with your circumstance. I don't care if you're dying. If Jesus says you live, you get up. I don't care if you're broke, broke and have nothing. If Jesus says and the Lord God says you're going to make it, you're going to make it. He is the same God that can turn the wilderness into a paradise. He's the same God that can take a world that's without form and board and turn it into an Eden. So it doesn't matter what your circumstance is. Quit giving a negative report. Bishop, you just don't know how tough it really is. I'm married to the devil himself. I'm married to... The devil herself. Now let me ask you this. Whose fault is that? Huh. It's the Lord's fault. No, it had nothing to do with the Lord. It had to do with what you saw, what you wanted. <laughs> let me give you a free part. Lust will lie to you. It will lie to you. And it does every time. It'll lie to you. But Caleb didn't let the lust of his eyes or the lust of his flesh or any of those things that I just mentioned bother him. He said, wait a minute, I don't look at that circumstance. I look at what God has said. So number one is what? Faith moves outside your circumstance. Number two, faith always has an objective. Faith always has an objective. What do you mean by that? Faith always has something toward which its effort is directed. What do you mean? It's always got an aim. It always has a goal. It always has an end of action. It's always there. And it's uninfluenced by emotions. Just because you're crying doesn't mean God's going to move on your behalf. Ooh, that, might, that might mess with your theology a bit. But hear me, crying don't mean a thing. If the heart's not right. You have to believe here, internally, 
that God is more than able. You say, but God doesn't he see my tears? He sees your tears. It just doesn't affect him. My daddy used to say to me, he was going to spank me, and I'd cry. I'd want to cry. And if you ever saw my daddy, you'd want to cry, too, when he hit you. And But when I was young, I mean, I'd cry. He'd say, son, son, your tears do not affect me. I said, well, let me go to mama then. Somebody's got to be affected here. And I learned something. It doesn't affect. It, it really means it's meaningless unless your heart is right. Unless your heart is saying the right thing and doing the right thing. So faith always has an objective. And I'm going to follow the process. Faith demands something from us. And this is the part we really don't want to hear. It demands you to be a certain way, to talk a certain way, act a certain way. Because you see, your ears are listening to you. And what you say is important. Whether you realize it or not, what you say is vital to yourself. You keep saying you're going down, you're going down. You keep saying you're going to die, you're going to die. You keep saying, I'll never be able to come out from under this addiction. You'll never come out from that addiction. If you say, I'll never get out of this hospital, get ready. You're going to lay there in that hospital. But if you turn it around and say, I know in whom I believe, and I'm persuaded that he is able, and that which he said he would do, I know he'll do it for me. When you start speaking it, start speaking it, start speaking it. God help me. Faith demands something from us. No matter how tough it gets, no matter how tough it gets in the process, keep walking. Keep on keeping on. Keep pressing forward. Don't let anybody, don't let anybody steal your joy nor your faith. Because they steal your faith, you never had it. Because think about Caleb, all those people. All the spies there and all the people in the land are filled now with fear, and he's still saying we're more than able. I'm going to keep walking saying, I know that my God, if he brought me here, he'll take me there. And I will not fear. Faith, number four, faith has to be a lifestyle. You walk in faith, you live in faith, you stand in faith. Well, let me just show you. Hebrews 10, 38. Now the just shall live by, the just shall live by faith. But if any man or woman, any man or woman draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in them. That's in the New Testament. Why? Because we have to believe that he is. God wants you to love him. He wants you to believe in him. He wants you to trust him. I can't tell you the times God saved me and saved my life. Can anybody else say he saved your life? I'm telling you, the times I could have been gone. But God was so good to me. Why? Because I still had the faith of my fathers. And I believe. It's like this church. The East-West Church, I can only speak to you today because this is where I'm talking. You have to understand I have confidence in you. I have faith in your ability. And some of you that have come in in the, in the last few years, maybe in the last couple years, you have to understand God is setting you up for victory. And you might just be 
a Caleb. You might just be a Caleb. You might just be a Joshua. You might be one that says, you know what, you can do whatever you want to do and believe what you want to believe, but I still believe the Lord is more than able. That's just what I see. I mean, the doctor looks at you and says, I think you need an operation. Well, I think you need to check something out here, Doc. Uh, obviously, in the flesh, I may need it, but in the spirit, I may not need it. I don't know. I'm going to confer with a higher power to see exactly what I need. <laughs> but the just shall live by what? Faith oft times will move you. Watch this. This is more than likely. This will happen every time. Pastor Kenny, this is the fact. Faith will oft times move you from the convenient to the inconvenient. He'll take you from something that's soft and squishy to something that's not so soft. It's tough. You know, if you're going to play football, you don't want everything to be convenient. If you're a coach, you're teaching them how to take the hard knocks. Make everything convenient for them, and you're, you're setting everybody up to lose every game. Every game. So, let me say it again. It'll move you from the convenient to the inconvenient in order to get you where God wants you to be. What do you mean? Definition of inconvenient, causing discomfort. How many of y'all have been uncomfortable before? Has God ever said something to you, you felt in your spirit and you felt uncomfortable? Let's be honest. I have too. But I know if he said it, something's going to happen. It's, the definition of inc uh, inconvenient is causing dis discomfort. God doesn't want you to be comfortable. As a matter of fact, change only comes when you get with him uncomfortable. Children of Israel, they're in Egypt. They're in slavery. Can you remember what happened? Does anybody remember the little phrase? I heard the cries of my people. He heard them speaking. He heard what was going on. He was watching them for 400 years. They're enslaved. Pro talk about process. 400 years. He said, I heard it. So they get uncomfortable and things start to change. He raises up a Moses. Now follow this. God uses tough, rough places to shape you. You'll never find a diamond that hasn't come up against something abrasive. Anything you have that's polished, that means it came up against something. Have you ever been to a, has anybody gone and had a pedicure? But they will, if you've got a callus on your foot, <clears throat> they take a rough stone or this thing that looks like a cheese grater. And they wear you out. And I'm thinking, wait a minute. I need all the skin I can get. But they wear it out until they get down to fresh skin. And sometimes they get down to the fresh. <laughs> but the callus can only be removed and the fresh skin are seen when you put, apply something rough to it. And it may not be comfortable. It may get uncomfortable, but 
through that I have something happen. Faith brings us into an uncomfortable place to shape us and manicure us and strengthen us. We need to have faith that won't give up. A faith that'll, a faith that'll stand up. A faith that just won't quit. A solid faith, a stable faith. A faith that says, I know my God is able. But the point I want to make in, in this, when the rough places are removed, you will have fresh things come into your life. You'll have fresh thoughts. You'll have a fresh outlook. But forget having those until you remove all that callous spirit. Callous actions, callous attitude. If you ever met somebody that's just calloused, you can talk to them. You can tell they're calloused. Nothing, nothing moves them. But faith changes things. Let me take you to the last set of verses I'll read today. Joshua 14, verse 6. Then the children of Judah came unto Joshua in Gilgal, and Caleb the son of Jephthah, the Kenzite said unto him, Now follow me. Caleb was 40 years old when they spied out the land. Thou knowest the thing that the Lord said unto Moses, the man of God, concerning me and thee in Kadesh Barnea. Forty years old was I when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land, and I brought him word again as it was in mine heart. Where was the word? Nevertheless, my brethren that went up with me made the heart of the people melt. But I wholly followed the Lord my God. And Moses swore on that day, saying, Surely the land wherein thy feet have trodden shall be thine inheritance and thy children's forever, because thou hast wholly followed the Lord thy God. He's talking to Caleb. And now, behold, the Lord hath kept me alive. Listen to him now. Caleb's talking. The Lord has kept me alive. As he said, these forty and five years... Since the Lord spake. Now catch this. He was 40 years old. Now it's 45 years later. He is now 85 years old. Almost as old as Ron Tyson. 85 years old. And old is old. 85 years old. But here's Caleb now saying, The word that he gave me when I was 40 is still good to me when I'm 85. If it'll work when I'm 40, it'll work when I'm 85. <laughs> if I had the strength when I'm 40, I'll have the strength when I'm 85. God's Word is not limited by these things that we call time and space. Are you with me? He's kept me alive these 45 years, even since the Moses spake, even the Lord spoke His Word unto Moses. While the children of Israel wandered in the wilderness, and now, lo, I am... This day, four score and, 45, and, and five years old. He's 85 years old. As yet I am as, watch this, this statement of faith. Boys, listen, he says, I'm as strong this day as I was in the day of Moses. The day he sent me, I'm still that strong. As my strength was then, even so in my strength now for war, I both to go out and to come in. Now watch what he says in verse 12. Now, therefore, now. Therefore, <clears throat> give me this mountain. I want it now. 
what Moses said, what the Lord said. I may be 85 years old, but I want my mountain. I don't care if there are giants there. The giants happen to be living in my mountain. And I'm going to go take it. So what did Caleb do? Caleb went and defeated the giants in Hebron. He defeated them. And he took the mountain. Why? By faith. Obviously, he didn't have the physical stature to do it. These, guys, these big giants were warriors. Give me my mountain. Wherefore the Lord spake unto that day, for thou heardst him in that day, how the Anakims were there, which is the giants, and that the cities were great and fenced. If so, the Lord be with me, then I shall be able to drive them out. What was the key word there? If the Lord be with me. I'll be able to drive them out as the Lord has said. And Joshua blessed him and gave unto Caleb the son of Jephthah Hebron for an inheritance. <clears throat> I'm going to stop right there. At the very the last verse, <clears throat> verse 15 says, And the land had rest from war. But I want to go back to it. Now the Lord said, Therefore, give me this mountain, Joshua generation. 